Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Amen, amen, and amen. Father, we give you all glory, all honor, and all praise because there is no one else in heaven, on earth, or below that is due uh, praise and honor and glory other than you. Father, we do ask and we do cry out that you would open the eyes of our hearts this morning, Lord, today, not only for this part of your body, but for the entire body of Christ, Lord, that we would see you for who you really are, Lord. You said that you would send us the Holy Spirit to be our helper and that he would reveal all truth to us, Father. We pray that you would open our eyes to see the truth, to see you for who you really are. Lord, and we pray for everyone who is lost, Lord, those that do not know you, who are walking around as they are alive, but they are spiritually dead. Father, we pray through the witness of the body of Christ around us that they would see you and see your love and come to that life that is found in Christ alone. Lord, we ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Amen. Yeah, and give, give our praise team a hand. We just... We appreciate them and, and those running the system that brought it back to life when it, when it died. We're very thankful for them that they serve us every Sunday leading us in worship. I just want to welcome you. We're so glad that you are here this morning for worship. If you are a guest, welcome. Uh, before we go into the message this morning, I just want to take a moment to address the decision that was made by the Supreme Court regarding Roe versus Wade. Amen. Amen. That, that has been effect since 1973. I was just as we were praising and worshiping, I was doing the years and praise the Lord, it did not have its 50th anniversary in 2023. It, it has ended and we, we give God glory and honor and praise for that. Uh, I was born in 1978, so that's been in place for my entire life. I know there's some of you here today and we won't ask any of you to share your age with us, but you were here before then. You know what it was like before that. But I know that in my whole life and every church that I've been a part of in my life, the church has stood up against this law. Uh, and growing up, I actually remember pastors that I uh, grew up under and congregants that were part of those churches being arrested uh, and being put in jail for peacefully protesting the clinics that were surrounding the areas that we lived in. And we're, we're thankful for the countless, uh, we're thankful that this has been overturned, but we're also thankful for the countless innocent lives this decision will save. Today marks the end uh, of our baby bottle drive that we've been doing in the month of June for our local pro-life pregnancy center, New Beginnings of Restoration and Hope. The body of Christ needs to continue to support women and families that choose life regardless of how difficult the circumstances are. Amen. New... New Covenant Church has faithfully supported New Beginnings uh, from its very beginning, even before when they, I don't know if some of y'all may remember, they actually started out in a mobile bus, um, and, and New Covenant Church has been one of their first uh, supporters in the community, and we're going to continue to do that. So don't forget to turn in your bottle if you picked one up. You can also uh, just put in a check to them this morning, and we'll make sure that gets to them. If you forgot to bring back your bottle this morning, just return it sometime this week. While I am so very thankful for the decision that came out this week from the Supreme Court, I just want to point out and remind us all that we as Christians do not look to the courts. We do not look to our representatives. 
We do not look to our president or to our government for our help or our salvation. Psalm 121.2 says, My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And regardless of what goes on or what does or does not happen, our help has always and will always come from the Lord. And I want you to just join me this morning in praying uh, for this, for our nation as we walk through this time together. If you'll bow your head with me. Father, we thank you that our help comes from you and only you, as it always has and always will. And this morning, we look to you for our help. Father, we pray for your hand of protection for the Supreme Court justices that have made this ruling possible. Lord, we pray for your hand of protection over every pro-life pregnancy center, for every volunteer that works at these facilities. Lord, we pray for your protection for every law enforcement officer in our nation as they keep the peace and uphold the law and order. Lord, we pray against violence, both against people and property. We pray that the eyes and ears of the lost will be open to see your love, not only to your love for them, but your love for every innocent baby from the moment they were conceived. Lord, your word gives multiple examples of prophecies where you spoke of the lives that were to come even before their conception. From Isaac to Samuel to your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, you prophesied them long before their births. Your knowledge and love for us comes well before our conception. And we are absolutely amazed by you. Father, we pray that your love will flow through the body of Christ. We're so thankful for the countless physical lives that will be spared. But even more importantly, we pray that many will come to life in Jesus Christ through these events. Not only those that will now have the opportunity to live, but also those that just don't know you. We pray that salvation will come to those as well as the body of Christ shows the world your love. And we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen and amen. Like I said, I really am just in, in amazement because, like I said, it's my whole life. That's all I've known, and I don't know that um, I ever saw this day coming. I mean, we prayed for it, we hoped for it, we believed for it, but we're so thankful that God has provided. Last week, uh, we started this series on the rest of God. And if you missed it, I would encourage you to go on our website. Uh, where you can find the message on our website. There's also links to our Facebook page or our YouTube page uh, at the bottom of our homepage. And you can click on those and catch up if you, if you didn't hear last week's message. Uh, but it's kind of the foundation for the series. We're focusing on rest. And we all need rest Unfortunately, for most of us, we have lost the concept of what God intended for us in rest. But I believe it extends beyond that. I also believe that we have lost the concept of what God intended for us in work. This image that you see on the screen of a rest area sign reminds me of my childhood. Memories of road trips with my family. We would take one of these exits and rest from our travels. Eat a lunch that my mother had prepared. And we just hang out for a while. How many times, if you look back through your life, can you think of times that God was pointing out one of these signs to you, but we drove on by? Over and over and over, he sends us reminders that we need to rest. He's calling us to rest, providing a place for us to rest. But we pass up the opportunity again and again. 
While the majority of this series is going to be on rest and the rest of God, this morning our focus is going to be on work. Because before we can appreciate God's gift of rest, we have to learn how to appreciate his gift of work. That's right. I just said a gift of work. Work is a gift from God. Satan has done an amazing job of perverting our idea of both work and rest. If we don't work correctly, we can't rest correctly. And if we don't rest correctly, we can't work correctly. Not the way that God intended. In order to keep the Sabbath day well, to embrace the rest of God, we need a right view of work. Without a correct theology of work, we'll have an incorrect theology of rest. We'll find that both are hectic, sporadic, and chaotic, and we'll find no joy in either. Before we look at what God intended for our work, I just want to quickly give the definition for Sabbath and rest again. The word Sabbath means a day of complete rest from secular work following six secular work following six days of labor. It was established and modeled by God. And rest is a bodily state characterized by minimal functional and metabolic activities, freedom from activity or labor, peace of mind or spirit, or a rhythmic silence in music. Last week I gave the foundation for the rest of God, or the rest that God intended for us in Genesis. This morning we're going to look at the foundation for the work that God intended, which just so happens to be found in Genesis as well. In Genesis chapter 1, it says that God created everything in six days. He said everything was good. And he created mankind on the sixth day. And it says that he created us in his own image. And when he created us, he said that we were very good. And after he had created us in his image, he gave mankind dominion over the earth. And that word dominion means to rule and to reign. He also said that we were to subdue it. The words subdue, rule, and reign are all what we would define as work. This may be a revelation to you this morning, and it's one of the main points of this entire message this morning. God created work for us prior to the fall. Work was not a punishment for sin. Did you know that? Have you ever thought about that? Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. This is prior to the fall. Prior to any punishment or consequence being applied to humanity for sin. In Genesis chapter 2.18 we read, Then the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. God creates Eve. And her primary purpose was to be a helper. In Genesis chapter 1, God says he created us in his image. There are aspects of God's nature found uniquely in men and women. Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as a helper. Jesus said when he left, he would send us the helper. The Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead, equal to God the Father and Jesus Christ. This isn't a negative or lowly position. God gifted women in ways that he did not gift men, and he gifted men in ways that he has not gifted women. 
We both have aspects of His image within us, placed there by God Himself. And prior to the fall, before sin ever entered the world, God intended us to work together to display His perfect image that He had placed in us. Everything was good and very good. And part of that goodness of creation was work. And God assigned work to both men and women. Paul, this is important. I don't want us to lose sight of another important fact. And that's, uh, we looked at it last week. God also rested. And he gave us an example of the Sabbath on the seventh day. Once again, this example was before the fall. Our need for Sabbath and rest and our need for work and purpose both existed before the fall. In our fallen nature, I think we often just assume that work and our need for rest are consequences of the fall. But neither of that, those is the case. The consequence of the fall is that both work and rest have been corrupted by sin, just like everything else. We're going to take a look at Genesis 3, 17 and 19. It's also going to be up on the screen. It says, and God's speaking to Adam. He said, because you have listened, this is after we sinned, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Work doesn't work properly anymore after the fall. It's been broken like everything else. God literally cursed the process. Now there's pain. Now there's turmoil. Now there's resistance. Now there's sweat that accompanies our work. But that wasn't the original plan. Work was perfect for some period of time. We don't know how long that time was before Adam and Eve sinned. But what we do know now is that it's broken. Our work today is like trying to do a job with the wrong tool. We spend most of our lives working, and when we're not working, we spend most of our time thinking about it or complaining about it. We also worry about it. We spend time getting ready for it, recovering from it, planning time away from it. We feel guilty when we don't do enough of it, and we resent it when we feel like we've done too much of it. This wasn't the way that God intended it to be. There's an account in the Old Testament that gives us some insight on both the Sabbath and work. And it shows how God intended us to interact with these two practices even after the fall. And it's found in Exodus chapter 16. If you have your Bible or, or a device that you can look up Scripture, you can go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 16, and we'll get there in just a moment. This is after God had delivered the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. He's going to feed them because they're out in the wilderness. They have no food. They have no water. And so he's going to provide for them. And this manna that he would provide, and that word manna literally means bread from heaven. And God provided this bread for them on a daily basis for 40 years. We don't usually think about it, but that's a lot of bread. It's conservatively estimated that there were approximately 2 million Israelites that God delivered from Egypt. 
And the verse we're about to read says that each person collected an omer of manna each day to eat. That's equivalent to six pints. That means they would have collected 12 million pints or 9 million pounds of manna every single day. That translates to more than a million tons of manna per year. And remember, they were out there for 40 years. I think we can all agree that that is abundant provision by God, provided day by day by His grace and mercy to sustain them. So we pick up in verse 16 of chapter 16. This is God's instruction to Moses, to the people. He says, gather of it, speaking of the manna, each one of you as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some, some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. If you have read through all of Exodus, you know that's not a unique circumstance. (laughs) Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with him. That wasn't unique either. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over lay aside to be kept till morning. So they laid it aside till morning as Moses commanded them. And it did not stink and there were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. I recommend you read over this passage on your own and really ponder and pray about it because there is a ton in here about work and rest that we need uh, revelation on, that we need to understand. And I'm going to point out a few of those things. First and foremost, God is our provider. He has always been and always will be. He created everything. Everything belongs to him, and he has tasked us with being stewards of his creation. He created work, and he outlined rest. Remember that both of these were planned by God before the fall. And now, reading this, we see that he intended us to continue in both of those things uh, after the fall. One of their daily jobs, part of their daily work, was to go out and gather the food. God was providing it, but they still had to participate with him in it. They had to go out and get it and bring it into their tents. And I hope you noticed that God provided abundantly for them. He didn't just meet their need. It wasn't just enough food so they wouldn't feel hungry. It wasn't just enough food so they wouldn't starve to death. They could gather as much as they could eat, so that they would be full. You may or may not have picked up on this, but it also said that some saved some for the next day. 
This was just when it was first beginning and they didn't comprehend or understand. Why do you think they did that? Just in case God doesn't provide for me tomorrow. But what happened? It says that it rotted and it got worms. But remember what I just said. God gave them enough to be full. So the ones who held some back and saved some tomorrow didn't get full. They went to bed hungry that night because they wanted to provide something for themselves to save a little for tomorrow just in case God doesn't come through. But what they saved rotted. So not only did they not get full, not only did they not go to bed with a full stomach, that what they saved, their provision that they had held for themselves was gone. But new manna was there for the next morning. Provision for that day. God was still faithful and gave them food. Enough to be full. But they still weren't allowed to save any. Is anyone reminded of the Lord's prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. God was showing them and the entire world, both then and now today by their testimony, that He alone is our provision. Apart from His daily provision of food and water for them, they would have all died. And whether we acknowledge it or not, whether uh, it's someone in the world who is lost or someone in this place today that is a child of God, whether we admit it or not, God is our only provider. He provides for us every moment of every day. If He were to withhold our next breath, we would all be dead. If it wasn't for His faithfulness, none of us would have food for today. None of us would have a place to lay our head. None of us would have the clothes that we're wearing today. They are all part of God's provision. He has merely given them to us for a moment to steward. I could preach on that for a while. (laughs) Back, Back to Exodus. There was one exception for the rule. On the sixth day, they could gather twice the amount of manna. And on the seventh day, the Sabbath, the food that had been saved from the sixth day would not rot. It would not stink. It would not get worms. On the seventh day, the day of rest, they could eat without gathering and rest in God's provision. Don't miss this. On that day, on the sixth day, they also had to gather twice the amount. Remember, this is work. It was work on the sixth day to prepare for the rest on the seventh day. We may have to plan and prepare ahead for our rest. I remember sometimes uh, in my previous job in the corporate world, sometimes I actually didn't look ahead or, or get that excited about a vacation because I had to work so hard to prepare for it, to get all the work done in advance so that I might be able to rest. And that's kind of the the principle here. We may have to work harder on the sixth day or on the other six days to set a time, the part that God has called us to rest, truly rest in Him and His provision. But did you catch what happened on the first Sabbath after God had started providing the provision? They gathered the two portions like they were told on the sixth day. But then did you catch what some of them did on the seventh? I'm assuming it's the same people who kept a little that first time to see if if they could keep it for tomorrow. They didn't even have a need 
God had provided them the food for that day. It was in their tent. But they went out again on the seventh day to see if they could get some more. God had already provided them the food for the day, but they still went out looking for more. Why? Just in case i got to provide for myself. Just in case God won't be faithful again tomorrow. God has abundantly provided for all of our needs, and yet we neglect His call to rest, and we still go out looking for more work. I know I'm guilty of that. We've got to do more. We've got to set a little more aside. If I don't get this done today, it's not going to get done. But God's calling us to a time of rest and saying, no, you need to do your work on the day that's assigned for work, and you need some rest. When we give God the first fruits of our labor, I'm sorry, I touched on this last week, but after reading this account again and looking into it, the correlation to me was even clearer that there is a similarity between our work and our rest and trusting in God to be our provision. And that when we give the first fruits of our labor and tithes and offerings, God promises to provide us and meet, provide for us and meet our needs out of what is left over. And we struggle with the same temptation that the Israelites did when it comes to giving God what belongs to God, whether it's our time or our treasure. Our fear is that if we were to truly rest, if we really took a day of Sabbath like God intends, that then we won't get everything done that needs to be done. We might not have enough provision for tomorrow if we don't work today. What we're really saying is that we don't trust God to take care of us. We don't trust God that our provision is truly coming from Him and not from our own efforts and ability. If I don't take care of myself, no one else will, including God. That's what we're saying. It's our actions that speak louder than our words if we don't do what God's told us to do. We have to remember that everything belongs to God, the whole earth and everything in it, all of time, All of eternity, everything we have, our next breath and every provision belongs to him. He simply placed them in our hands to steward for a moment. Will we steward them for his kingdom or for ours? There's rich theology in the Bible that clearly shows that work continues and rest continues and worship continues for all eternity. We're not going to be sitting around in heaven doing nothing. That's not what we were created for. The Bible doesn't teach us that. We're not going to have time to cover this in, in detail this morning. I do want to touch on it. And if, if we have time left in the series before it's over, I may come back to this. Uh, but I do want to give you a glimpse of this, that work and worship and rest continue after we go to heaven as well. John 5.17, Jesus said, My Father is working until now, and I am working. So the Father's at work, and Jesus is at work. This, this account um, is another one of those situations where what Jesus is referring to and what happened in this moment was Jesus working on the Sabbath again. I said last week, and I'll say it again this morning, Jesus never broke the law of God. Jesus never broke the Sabbath. But he broke, sure, sure broke, Man's view of it. 
and man's version of it. In this same account, he told the man that he had healed to stand up, pick up his bed, and walk. And that did not make the people happy. They were like, not only did he heal on the Sabbath, he told this man to work. And that's wrong. Well, it wasn't wrong because Jesus said so. And he said, I'm working, the Father's working, and this is okay. This is not a sin. It's not a sin to heal. It's not a sin to do good. So the, the theology of work goes beyond this earthly life. In one of his parables, Jesus also said that the kingdom of heaven was like a master who went away. And he put possessions in the hands of his servants to, uh, to manage, to steward. And it says he went away and that when he came back, the ones that had been faithful, he rewarded them with more to steward. Well, does that remind you of anything? And Jesus said, this is like the kingdom of heaven. Jesus died on the cross. He rose again. He gave us a command, something to steward. And then he went away and he said, I will come back. What we do with what he's given us, how we steward what we've been given is going to determine what he gives us in return to steward for all of eternity. There's still going to be things to do because that's the way he created us. There's examples of these in uh, Revelation as well. Examples of work, examples of rest, examples of worship continuing. Revelation 4.13 says, I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. Now this may sound like, oh, well, this says we're not going to work anymore. But this word used here for labor doesn't mean the labor like we think of when we think of work and not the redeemed work that God intended for us to do prior to the fall. This word labor is referring to intense labor united with trouble and pain. That's not the kind of work God intended. That's not what he created for us to do before the fall. Remember we read in Genesis, it was after the fall that it got cursed, that then it included pain, that then it included hardship, that then it included sweat. Those things weren't there before. This word labor here is also interpreted as weariness and pain and sorrow. Those things won't accompany our work anymore. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he has no sorrow with it. I believe this passage gives us a glimpse into what God originally intended for our work, for our rest, and for our worship. When we can follow God as he intended, God gives blessing with no sorrow added to it. If we could see work and rest and worship as God intended, none of these things would appear to us as drudgery. None of them would be a task or activity that we would dread or desire to put off. They are abundant blessings meant for our good, for our joy, and for our blessing. We can get a glimpse of this now if we would follow Paul's guidance in Colossians 3, verses 17 and 23. I'm sure many of you know this by memory. It says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. We can turn our work and our rest and our worship, literally everything that we do and say, into a service to God. 
and experience a glimpse of what God intended for us for all eternity, even now. Work and rest were created before the fall. Worship was created before the fall. Jesus said he and his father both continued to work. The idea that heaven is a place where we do nothing for all eternity is not a biblical one. We will have things to do. We will have time to rest. We will have eternity to worship God in all that we do, just like we're supposed to be doing now. And all of it will be without pain, without turmoil, without stress. Every negative aspect that has been brought upon our work, our rest, and our worship to God will be gone. Whatever you do in word or in action, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Work like you are working for Him and not men. Why? Because we are. We are in His kingdom today. We are working for Him, not for any man. Not for any government, not for anyone, but the King of kings and Lord of lords. If we can see our work as a calling and a blessing, something God always intended for us to participate in, if we can keep it in our heart and mind that we are created in His image to work together to steward all that He has provided us, working as He intended, then we will be one step closer to being able to step into rest as he intended, and into worship as he intended. He gave us a way. He gave us a place. But we have to trust him. We have to trust him enough to rest, to take a break and know that he's going to be our provision for tomorrow. We may have to work harder in six days to do it, but if we will, he will give us Rest. Will you bow your head with me as we close in prayer? Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you that you did send your Holy Spirit, the helper, to guide us into all truth. And I just pray that you would give us a revelation this morning, that you would plant your word into our hearts this morning, that we would know that you are our provider. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of all things, the owner of all things. You give us this day our daily bread. You clothe us. You give us a place to lay our head. You give us the next breath that we breathe. Father, we give you glory and honor and praise and we acknowledge that, that everything that we have has been given to us to take care of, to manage, to rule, to reign over, to steward for you. Lord, and I pray that we would steward it for your glory, for your honor, as a testimony and a witness to everyone that's around us. That they might get a glimpse of the kingdom of heaven on earth today. A glimpse of your love that they could come to you and find life and have life abundantly. Father, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, that our hearts would be open, our eyes would be open to hear and see what you are saying. Father, thank you. 
that Jesus promised us that if we come to him, if we're tired, if we're heavily burdened, that we can come to Jesus and he will give us rest. He said his yoke was easy and his burden is light and that if we come to him, he will give us rest for our souls. Father, we come to you and we ask for rest for our souls. Give us the rest that we need to go back to do the work that you've called us to do. And I pray, Lord, that you would change our attitude for work. That it wouldn't be a burden, it wouldn't be something we dread, but that we would know that we can do our work to the glory of God. But Father, I pray that we do work in the place that you've defined for us to do our work and that we'll set aside rest for the place you've set aside for us to rest. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit will lead and guide us in all things, in our work, in our rest, and in our worship. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. I was kind of surprised when Pastor Chris didn't uh, include one of my favorite verses, and I'm glad he didn't because now I get to. Um, Ecclesiastes 2.24, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own work. This too I see is from the hand of God, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment in anything? God the Father gives us the work of our hands, and more importantly, he gives us purpose. Not just money, not just gain, not just experience. He gives us purpose to bring glory to his kingdom in that work. So, enjoy the work of your hands because it brings glory to God. Amen? Let me give you a few announcements before we get out of here and start our day of rest. I need you to pray for a couple people this week. First of all, our youth, because they're going to camp. Tuesday through Saturday, they're going to go down to camp, spend time with each other and God. We're going to pray for a God encounter experience for them. Other people I need you to pray for are our adult chaperones that are going to camp with our youth. Uh, to include Pastor Chris, his wife Candy, um, Evan, Amanda, who else? Give me somebody else. Abby, Lila. Pray for them. They're not youth. Well, some of you girls are. But, you know, pray for them that they will be good, godly examples and great chaperones for our youth. So pray for them. Safe travels and a God encounter. Amen. Pastor Chris already touched on it. Bring your baby bottles back. And we want to continue to to support New Beginnings of Restoration and Hope because they're doing counseling for women who have been through procedures and things in their past that they need counseling for. And there are generations of women who still need help in that area. So this is not over. This is still a generation and people that need to be reached. So we, we still need to support them. So bring your bottles back. This Wednesday night at 6.30 is the last night of Holy Habits by Pastor Daryl. So be in the uh, fellowship room at 6.30 if you can, or join him online with Facebook Live. We have a throne room encounter July 2nd at 7 p.m. right here in the auditorium, a time of praise and worship, spend time with God. And lastly, a very uh, joyful announcement. We're going to provide a time of fun for families here at New Covenant Church at Hannah Springs Pool. On July 16th, free admission, free food, free fun, free games. It's a BYOB event. Bring your own bathing suit, okay? 
July 16th, 7 o'clock at Hannah Springs Pool. Y'all put that on your calendars. Thank you for joining us this morning. Enjoy your afternoon of rest. And uh, tell somebody else how much fun it is to work. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 